Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. This is segment three with Darren Pang of the St. Louis Blues here on Inside the Game. At one point when I was in Saginaw, you asked about frustration. At one point, I left a game. We won the game. I don't know what the score was. We had plenty of shots, and I hadn't heard from the Blackhawks in forever. All the boys were going to a local bar, local pub, which we always did in Saginaw. And they called me. It. They called me. They called me because it's 1986, and I think I have no cell phones. No cell phones. So yeah. Can't text somebody, you know. So, so he. So uh, basically, I said, guys, I'm not going out until I talk to Bob Pulford. And it was a Sunday night, and the Blackhawks had played. They got beat bad, and uh, they said, "Yeah, right. Come to the bar. We'll figure this out later." I said, "I'm not. I'm not going to the bar until I hear from Bob Pulford." I called his house. His wife, um, Roz answered the phone and Roz Roz says, Bob's going to be home any second. Now he's coming back from the game. I'll have him call you, Darren, which was unbelievable old school. <laughs> and, and, you know, and by the way, we still exchange Christmas cards, which is, is incredible after all these years. Anyway, I waited, I waited, I waited. And sure enough, that phone rang and it was Bob Pulford. And he asked what he could do for me. And I told him, I said, you told me that, that if my season was going well and yours wasn't, that I'd be the first guy called up I said that we don't have anybody watching our games there was no scouts again you don't even know what the score of the game was I was really bold yeah that's and, that's, uh, that's taking you know, a big risk <laughs> it was a big risk and at the end of it uh Polly stopped you know he said well we're going on a trip out west if it doesn't work out I will uh I will make sure that we make a change which I was like now I'm excited again now I'm like this was a great phone call but he ended it by saying Darren you're quite a boy that's how he said it you're quite a boy for calling me on a Sunday night at home. <laughs> he said, good luck in your next game. And so two weeks later, I did not get recalled to the NHL. I got a phone call from Pulley and uh, he was recalling me to the American Hockey League, which isn't the, wasn't the plan for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I'd so, like to come to Chicago is where I'd like to be. <laughs> yeah. So I told him I wasn't going. My agent called me shortly after that and said, what did you tell Pulley? And I said, I told him I wasn't going. And he said, well, you are going and the flight leaves at four o'clock. So pack your bags. I said, okay, I'm on my way. Well, it turns out that three weeks later than that, I was recalled to the Blackhawks. So, I mean, it's funny um, how things, things just work out, end up yeah. working out, you know, but I was frustrated because I wasn't getting a chance and I wasn't going to not do anything about it. So I thought how I did it was the right thing to do in my situation. And it did work out to be a positive. What are some of the keys, you know, I, I want to get into with you, how do you like mentally prepare for like a season a practice, a game, you know, the travel grind, those different things. And how do you handle, you're the goalie, you know, winning and losing, you know, it's, it's, it's how you're measured in the NHL. You know, the players mm -hmm. can make a mistake. A defenseman can blow a play a forward can miss a penalty shot and people don't forget, you know, people can kind of brush that off, but a goalie they're measured by their wins and losses. I mean, does that weigh on a goalie a lot heavier than people realize you got to shake it off, you know, say we lost, we got to move on guys. You should be asking this question to somebody that won a lot more games than me. <laughs> well, Marty hasn't been on yet, so I'm trying yeah. to get Marty Brodeur to come on. But well, between you know what I mean? Marty like... and between Marty and I, we've got 718 career wins together. <laughs> uh, then, unfortunately, I've only got 27 of those wins. Um, but I I will say this that I'm not sure unless I saw probably a a, a real sports psychologist or somebody that could help me. I'm not sure if I could have lasted much longer anyway. I think the toll and the pressure, especially being on a two-way contract, 
where the threat was always there to send you back to the miners. And when you st start a family and you have a house, and there's a big difference between $155,000 and you know $38,000. So the pressure of being sent down really bothered me um, to the point where game days weren't no, there weren't any fun for my wife. They weren't any fun for any friends or family. It was me. I was, I was in a little bit of a, my own world. Yep. Didn't talk to anybody um, until I threw up before the game. And then I was off cool. and running and, you know, and if I, if I played well, you know, it was, I was boom, I was up high. If I played low, it, it was not very good. You know, I mean, there's, this pressure, they're just, that's what it is. It's, it's exhilarating. And at the same time, it's challenging. Um, so, I mean, so, you know, like I, I wish I could have played longer to win more games and to, you know, be in a Stanley cup and to, you know, to do all those things that I dreamt of doing all my life. But I think at the end, this might've worked out for, for the best yeah, that I ended say. my career and got into broadcasting. You're on the ice for a full 60 minutes as a goalie. How do you stay mentally sharp? You don't come off. Um, you, you're, you're by yourself in a lot of ways. Guys do talk to you and players come up and talk to you on your team yeah. and everything. Yep. What do you do to stay sharp on the plays in the other end? I think we're all different. I think every goaltender is different. I, um, I kind of like to do a little play-by-play, -play. you know, when I was in the net. Never took my eye off the puck ever, ever. Didn't matter. It doesn't matter what zone it's in. You're, you're, you're puck watching. That's what you do. Uh, for those that think that the goaltender is looking over there and setting up plays and where is, where is that guy? Hardly, you know, maybe, you know, I've seen Marty in some of his videos. Sometimes he looks around and, and does that. I was totally puck driven and, and focused on it. So, you know, plays in the other end, if it stayed in the other end for a long period of time and I started thinking that was bad. You know, <laughs> I, so I, I wasn't a very good goalie with limited amount of shots. I wasn't Ken Dryden or Marty Brodeur. I was more, Rogi Vashaw, Mike Palmatier, you know, lots of shots. I'm in it. Um, not very many shots. I would often give up a bad goal in those situations. Are you watching the benches for line changes too? When, when yeah. it plays the other end, are you, are you trying to figure out who's coming on, who's coming off on the other team? You're trying to Absolutely. figure out, you know, you know, my, my biggest strength was from the hockey sense point of view was knowing the opposition was knowing their tendencies. I had a book on shooters uh, eventually I'd given that, I gave that book to Mike Keenan because he wanted to know what I was scribbling about. And at one point he kind of asked me about it. So I thought that's a good challenge. I'll, I'll do the entire uh, Norris division. And I did. And, uh, uh, set plays, uh, what, what centerman banks it off the end boards for a winger busted in who has black tape, who has white tape, who has a Titan stick, who has a, you know, a Canadian stick, who has a Sherwood. Um, all those things were important to me in analyzing what I was going to face. Is he a passer? Is he a shooter? Is he, a, is he going to dump it in or is he going to hold on to it a little longer? I thought I had a, a vast knowledge of the players that I played against. And I think that's helped me as a broadcaster because uh, there's not one player in the league, unless it's a new player that I, I truly have never seen before, uh, that I couldn't tell you if he's a right-hand shot or a left-hand shot. I could probably tell you every tape job and stick model because that's what I've been accustomed to doing. And that's probably one of the reasons why I was able to overcome my size and play in the NHL. When you're the backup goalie, how do you stay sharp? I mean, a lot of kids out there, That's you, a know, tough one. you know, I mean, how do you like, you know, let's say you're a young man or a young woman mm -hmm. and you're on a team and there's a goalie ahead of you and you think you should be playing like everybody does, but how do you mentally stay sharp? So like when your time does come and you do get that call, what do you have to do in practice? What do you have to show coaches and say, here, I'm doing, I'm, you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, well, no, number one is 
you know, you can't get too far ahead and you can't look back. You've got to, you do have to stay in the moment, I think, as a backup. I was never a backup goalie in my career. Um, and even when I played in the NHL, um, I really only played two years and I played 81 games. So there was the time that I was a backup was when Al Chevre took it over. Uh, he played great out of his mind, won the net over. And I, I, I was end up, ended up being a backup from about March. So March, April, May, we went all the way to the conference final. It was a different role for me. Um, I stayed, sh I stayed sharp in that situation by putting my ego aside, which at first I didn't. And I needed a couple of teammates to tell me to smarten up. We need you and your energy. So that was number one. So that there's me moving to the, to the present. Um, the next part was I, I almost treated it like I was a coach, um, being on the bench, helping the forwards, helping the D, um, you know, staying active that way. So you're a backup goaltender. You're not playing. You're trying to win the coach over. You, you have to do something that keeps you sharp mentally. And if maybe that's not the way that that would keep you sharp. Maybe it's, maybe it's a lot of talking, maybe it's staying out extra and, and uh, making sure that you stop every single shot. So your teammates just fall in love with you. So when you get in that net, they're going to want to play hard with you. Um, you know, it, socially, I know at the NHL level, it's a little different than, than maybe kids growing up at socially. I made sure that I was out with the guys all the time. I, you know, the last thing they wanted was somebody to check out. I mean, we're a team after all, so you better be a teammate still. So there's important factors to being a teammate, even though you don't feel like it at certain times. So always being with the guys, always being on the ice afterwards, uh, on the bench, always talking to them. And, you know, when they celebrate a win, being right there in the middle of it. So sometimes I, it sounds like I did that easily and I didn't do that easily. It wasn't, that wasn't easy for me to do, to be quite honest with you. When did you know it was time to hang it up? What, what just well, your, after my, your after injury? my second, my second ACL surgery. Yeah. I mean, you know, once that happened, I'd already done some CCHA college hockey games while I was rehabbing my first ACL. Um, I could, I could tell with the Blackhawks, especially that, you know, my time had come and, and now being an injured goaltender and being a small goaltender, I'd probably maxed it out. I was probably going to get a chance somewhere else, but um, once I started doing broadcasting while I was injured, that really gave me some motivation to go to the next step and to, and to, to change courses. But I mean, the other part is realistically in Chicago, uh, Ed Belfour was coming on board. We brought Dominic Koscik in from, yeah. from Czechoslovakia, which is the Czech Republic. Now we had some good depth in goal. We had Jimmy Waite first over uh, eighth overall pick. You know what? I was looking at it like, okay, I've beaten the odds a little, like enough. <laughs> I, th I think maybe this is a good opportunity for me to start something else. So what was that transition like to go from being a player to a broadcaster? What, what was that like? For not you? easy. Not very easy at all. I was a, I did a hotline for the Blackhawks. I had to bring a Marantz recorder into the locker room and do interviews with my teammates. I was media, you know, you're no longer, a, you know, you're not, you're not the player inside the room. Although I knew what was going on in the room. I had probably too much knowledge for Mike Keenan's liking to be quite honest with you, but <laughs> you know what? I was there early every day to, to a, certain point where Mike Keenan actually asked me one time, why are you, why are you here so early? Like he was almost like thinking I was still Stable. thinking I was a player, but yeah. I was like, well, this is my new job and I want to show that I'm, I'm taking it seriously. And that's what I did. I took my job very seriously. And then, you know, three years later, I, uh, I, I um, got to go to uh, Bristol, Connecticut. I auditioned and I got the job and Tom Mees and I were partners for the very first ESPN two game in the history of ESPN. So um, I, 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 you know, I think I was off and running by that point. And, 
And again, though, I thought I was really good at what I was doing. And I look back at some of the tapes I did or some of the games. I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> but you know, that's, you gotta, that, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. And it was what a, what a network to start with. I mean, ESPN, are you kidding me? Got to work with the best and, and how they prepared you. And they didn't just throw a microphone in front of you and say, that's good work. They brought you in and, and you had seminars a couple times a year. If, if, if you weren't doing something well, they just, they told you what the right way to do it. I mean, they taught you. It was like, a, it was like going to university. So it was unbelievable for me to start there. What do you have to do differently as a, as a broadcaster to prepare for a game? You know, you're the analyst, you're going to analyze the game. If you're the announcer, you're just calling the action and you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of filling in, but what do you bring to the broadcast that you think is different as a, as an ex goalie, as an ex player, there's a lot of them doing it, but you're very well prepared. I mean, mm -hmm. what do you do different that other people don't and not to give away your secrets? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think number one is I listen, you know, I think that's a, that's a big thing. I listen and I write, um, I watch practices and I, and I write my own theories. Um, I listen to coaches all the time. Um, and, and that's important information. Um, but I listen to players maybe a little bit more because I, I, I just believe that what comes out of that locker room, um, you, you just get a lot of information. And then you can tell when you're watching what's going on. And then I, I, like, to, I like to have confidence in my own opinions, um, you know, and, and not just say what everybody else has been saying about things. But I mean, I've got, you know, I, I just came from practice, actually. So I've got, and you've seen me up in the booth. I mean, I'm a I'm, I, I create my own yes. books, you know, so, for, <laughs> you know, so I create my own books. I, I keep my own line you know, combinations and, and uh, write down my notes afterwards, uh, you know, uh, so that I know later what, you know, what that player was doing or maybe struggling or maybe can't not taking pucks off the boards. And then I see him in practice and, and he's working on that with an assistant coach. I, I go right back to, I go, you know what? He just missed he missed three or four of those uh, in his own zone when they came around the boards and now he's working on it. So now I can, I can get our cameras to go to practice, show that, uh, that he's, he's this player, a player a is working on the puck around the boards. Why is he doing that? Cause here's a highlight. Here's, here's what I got from the last game. And, and, and so this player is trying to get better. I don't, I'm trying not to say that this player isn't any good and he can't good, take yeah. a puck around the boards. I'm trying to say this player wants to get better and wasn't happy with what happened. And here's what he did. And that way, because we are the conduit between fans too. If, if I dump on a player for three or four games in a row, our fans are going to dump on a player more than likely. And I think it's very important to give both sides and to make, you know, make that player feel good about himself. Um, and, uh, and, and try to, now if that player doesn't work on his game at all and makes the same mistakes over and over, I'm probably not going to talk about that player very often. Yeah. You know? So some of the players will say to me, uh, boy, my parents were really liking what you said. And, we'll get on a dad's trip where the dads are there and I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll always go meet out with the broadcasters and they'll say something like, boy, you really spoke highly of my son. I said, you know why? And he goes, no, I go, cause he's really working hard. I said, the, the moment that I don't say much about your son is, is my way of saying he's not, he's, he's struggling here. But instead of me saying he's struggling, I'll, I'll, I'll more apt not talk about him for a bit. And then eventually, you know, you have to say something if it's not going very well, but, uh, but so anyway, that's kind of my theory and making sure that uh, a player, his family, his aunts and uncles, his friends are watching games. Like, I, I think you got to think of a lot of things when you're broadcasting a game and how you how, how you select your words about that player. 
how should coaches, I want to get into a bit more now quickly on the, on the coaching aspect of it, but how should coaches get goalies involved in practice for hockey? What should they be looking for to do well, now with drills? Nowadays we've got our goalie coach uh, in St. Louis was out on the ice uh, 30 minutes before practice uh, today. Uh, he, he was working on separate drills with two different goaltenders. Um, then slowly, but surely several players come out on the ice. They're, they're working with the goalies, whatever the goalie coach wants. So it's a little different now than it was before. Um, you've got a lot more coaches on the ice. Uh, you've got a lot more video. Um, I think the drills are a little bit, not too much different, but they're still probably better drills. Um, but I think as a, as a coach, the only thing I could say is that when the drills are going, and, and, and you're running these kind of Euro, European flow drill styles where there's not a lot of stops and starts. I think it's important for the coaches to realize that the goaltender needs a bit of a breather, you know? <laughs> so the timing of the drills can't be rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat because I think the goalie gets in bad habits. And if the goalie's not going back to his post and coming out and getting his angle and all he's doing is staying 30 feet outside the top of his crease, those are bad habits because those aren't game-related habits that a goalie's going to get into. So I like every once in a while, in fact, the other day, I even texted our goalie coach uh, and I was like, hey, those drills are going a little bit frantically. And he goes, yeah, but everybody's so energetic right now. And I'm just going to let it go for right now and tell our goalies to hang in there. And uh, but 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 slowly they started slowing it down and making sure that the goaltenders had time to reset because, you know, you want it. You want the goalies to be sharp, but you want them to be uh, more game ready than just stopping pucks that are going, you know, every other shot. That was segment three with Darren Pang of the St. Louis Blues here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Stay tuned for segment four. Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. 